This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm here with my good buddy Gavin Hignite. He's a writer, and uh, I met him last year at WonderCon. I think we met. Yeah. Last yeah. year at WonderCon, we met because uh, the FearNet booth was right around the corner from the Geekscape booth. Yeah, we were neighbors, and yeah. uh, we were talking ba- even back then about promoting your book. Yeah, that was was there, was your book done at the time? It was. We were in kind of like pre-launch, so uh-huh. uh, at that time, all the you know we had been through I think ten or eleven drafts. The uh, you know, we, I, at that point, I was, had just finished working with a copy editor, and it was like time to, you know, assemble the book for print. So I was working with the the artist, the layout artist, who packages it for the printer, and we were starting to go into like how should we do the cover design and stuff like that. But the book is now done. Yes. We're going to tell you about it. And Gavin is. I think we reconnected at Kamikaze when we were on a panel that I was hosting. Yes, the Fango like, panel. The, yeah. yeah, Fangoria. Rebecca was nice enough to ask me to host a panel full of horror people. Yeah. And I was like, have you been to Geekscape? It's like about Halo and Zelda and Spider-Man and horror as much as like we are. I mean, I'm personally very passionate about horror, but it's such a small... You know, you guys are horror specialists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Ryan and over at uh, Shark Till You Drop and those guys, are they're all horror specialists. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think I'm, I kind of veer into it kind of like you, is I love a lot of stuff. That's one of the things I'm really super passionate about, and it happens to be, you know, where, where I work, basically, is, uh, you know, so it's like where I love animation, I love video games, and especially like toys and stuff, um, I love horror as much, but I'm so into that world now because it's, it's, you know, also what I do for a living that um, I feel humbled being around those guys because those guys really know their genre. It's insane the references they do, that they're they're able to drop. Yeah. And I they mean, recall stuff. And we're no lightweights. No, exactly. That's <laughs> the thing. Yeah, exactly. We're it's, not lightweights by any way. Yeah, means. exactly. I pride myself on, you know, the hard years of research I put in between about 13 and uh, 
18 years old. I mean, <laughs> it, research slash boredom slash long summers yeah. slash a VCR slash, slash yeah, not leaving my house. Local blockbuster or mom and shop video, totally. mom and pop video store. Yeah, I was definitely, and I think we talked about that a little bit on the panel. Is we were we were really of that half inch video. Mm -hmm. What's that video jacket telling me? Oh, clamshell. I mean, clamshell. Mm -hmm. VHS co uh, covers were just incredible. Did you see the uh, Miami Connections? Yes. Have a VHS limited edition. I did. I might. I don't even have a VCR, and I want that damn. Thing. Yeah, I. You know, I saw it when I was at Fing, uh, it's Fantastic awesome, right? Fest, and I was just like, I couldn't, because that's the other. Thing. I mean, probably like you. Yeah. And Miami besides all the horror stuff, but right I loved now. all the old ninja movies. I loved yeah. all the, and uh, to see one of those things. They had just never seen the light of day. It, it kind of blew my mind. And then the guys were there from the movie, mm -hmm. and they played a set as uh, Dragon. Yeah, I can't remember the name of their. It's like band. Dragon Friendship or something. Yeah, and so they actually played a set. It was insane. They uh, they premiered the movie at the Cine Family and invited us to see it. Oh, and, nice! And they had like a karate studio there and everything. And it was, I mean, the movie. We'll just talk about Miami Connection real quick because it has a clamshell like 500 limited edition. There's, a, there's only like 500 of them made. Wow. And they, they, it'll come in a VHS clamshell because the movie was made in 1985. Yeah. Shelved. Yeah. And then recently For good brought reason. back out. <laughs> it, is, it is an awesome gauntlet movie. Yeah. Long-term geekscapists know that I have that, that fond term, a gauntlet movie. It means that you take like four or five of these movies and you do an all-nighter watching these movies. And a perfect gauntlet, let's just be true uh, to, to it, is... Um, Let's have like a, a fantasy movie, a sci-fi post-apocalyptic future movie, maybe a space fantasy movie. Yeah. And a, you need a ninja kung fu movie. Yeah. And then you need some kind of exploitation movie. It can be like a like a woman exploitation movie mm. or a black exploitation movie. I think, um, you know, I, th I think like a Jim Kelly movie like oh, uh, totally. Black yeah. Belt Jones or Black Samurai is a pretty good one to put in there. But that's a perfect gauntlet. Totally. To have, like, different genres. And this would be an awesome one for a karate Absolutely. ninja movie. Yeah, because you, you have, uh, yeah, you have, like, the n classic ninja, and then you have kind of a Chuck Norris martial art. It's like a combination <laughs> of the both. And the whole thing is a bit of a mess. Oh, my God. In, in the best <laughs> possible way. Yeah. And, you know, and you know when I saw it at Alamo... You know, and I that's had, the perfect place to yeah, see. Yeah, I mean, I had a I had a beer in front of me, I had a pizza in front of me, and I had that on the big screen. I was like, I couldn't. It's like I feel like I'm in heaven. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is what it's going to be like when I go. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, like the um, that's all the stuff that informed me, right? Like that's all the yeah. stuff I grew up on. I, I I drank it, I ate it, I, I breathed it. You know. Uh, Where was this? Then I grew up in the suburbs of Denver, and uh, for the kids like myself that didn't fit in that is brutal you know it was a brutal and you know i think that's what that, you had right there yeah those know, are your friends yeah totally right <laughs> i had um that and ash from evil dead and mm -hmm. uh and uh, the guys from gi joe and mask pretty much uh but you no know, and i think you know it's interesting because like right now in pop culture you know i mean clearly like being being the nerd or you know say in the early 90s you know, being alternative, right? Having like a shaved head or, or pierced face or colored hair and, you know, like wearing like your Nirvana shirt, that was really cool. It was supposed to not be cool mm -hmm. and it was really cool. Yeah, alternatives not being alternative to anything. Yeah. And where where I kind of came of age and grew up was right before that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I think it's kind of interesting now, you know, parallels, now nerd culture is like the cool thing that's not supposed to be cool. And I mean, you know, for guys like you and me, it's great because, you know, we were riding that wave a long time ago. And, and now 
you know, we're really getting to uh, enjoy the benefits of just loving all that stuff. For the most part. Yeah, for the most part. The benefits <laughs> and the drawbacks. Um, but it's interesting because I'm like, it's funny how, you know, after alternative, what was going to be cool. And then you see like the kids now, like younger kids, you know, I'd say 15 to, I don't know, 15. So let's say 15 to like, you know, like early 20s. Mm-hmm. I saw a generation rebel against their uh, families by getting into Japanese pop culture and getting into anime. And, and then that has led them into getting into like J-Rock and J-Pop. And I'm like, wow. Because I think when I, when I was kind of one of those kids that didn't fit in and I prided myself on all my black clothes and, you know, my Cure you know, CDs and my eyeliner, I, I think I thought, what could be, you know, what's going to follow? Like, what could mm-hmm. be next? And how weird is it that we're here now and it's – you know, people, you know, cosplaying and, and people, um, uh, you know. Or ex- dressing like their MMO. Avatar yeah, exactly. I was going to say, yeah, 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 like like kind of. Um, but, you know, I guess the, the big catalyst there is the Internet. Like, mm-hmm. that's another thing that's interesting about the book. So if the book for, okay, yeah, let me get book. into it. So the book is called The Freak Table. And it's fiction, but it's based off of a real time period. It's based off of a lot of the experiences myself and people I grew up with had and what was unique about our age is we were kind of the last of the post-punk movement in the late 80s and early 90s so we were you know we were those kids that the older punkers and waver you know new wave guys didn't necessarily respect because you were too young because we were too young we wanted to be like them but we you know we had kind of come late we were you know we were like the skaters in that way how old are you Oh gosh, oh, on, such a real question. I'm now 37. 37. Okay, and I'm 33. Yeah. So, so okay. I feel old now. No, 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 no. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's not. It's all right. It's yeah. all right. But you graduated in high school in 91, 92. I was supposed to graduate in 94. 94. And I graduated in 94 and a half. Like dark secrets. <laughs> it sounds there. like my older brother. Mm. You know, my yeah. older brother. Uh, he graduated high school in 94, and uh, and uh, you know, skateboarding. You know, not not going to class. Da, yeah. da, da, da. And I was telling yeah. my wife yesterday that my, my older brother wasn't even in his, his senior yearbook because they yeah. were like, he's he's not going to graduate. I might not have been in mine actually. You yeah. know, it was one of those situations where it's like the skater kid who won't even stick to the classes. Yep. He was in the same classes as some of my peers, mm-hmm. three grades younger. Right. You know what I mean? And it was like school just wasn't his thing. Yeah. You know, so I, I get what you're talking about. Yeah, I mm-hmm. struggled. You know, what's interesting is I was on a fast course to just dropping out. Uh-huh. Uh, but you see, here's the thing. I grew up in Denver. Um, there's not a lot of arts and entertainment being promoted in the school systems there. So I was always like an artsy kid. And, you know, you don't necessarily know that at first. You just, you know, you're not, you're not the one playing football. That's all you know. You know and different you know. things trigger kids to learn. Totally. You know what I mean? And I had g- got so lucky because a different school district had a film program. Oh, really? And uh, I was able to you know, work it out to go to this film class. Uh, it was my first class of the day in this other school district. Uh, and it was in the Denver school system. I was in the suburbs. And uh, lo and behold, for that two hours a day, my life totally changed because I had a reason to get up in the morning. I had a way to express myself. And I was like, all of a sudden, all my other grades started picking up and I started showing up to school. It's because I finally had found that niche. You know, I found some kind of expression that, you know, had interested me. And this is at a time, you know, digital... Uh, filmmaking was barely existing. You know, right. we were uh, we were cutting on you know like sixteen millimeter and you know, yeah, on a steam bag where you have to. On a steam yeah, bag. we had like a little tape splicer right. and we had That's a glue right. splicer mm-hmm. and a reel to reel. 
um, and a moviola that I just yeah. would never <laughs> dare even learn how to feed. But, uh, but you know, I think the point being is that, you know, I was lucky because I, I could have very well just totally wasted out, especially yeah. with some of the hardships that I got thrown at a young age, which are in the book, and I'm not going to spoil for people. Um, but the, is the book biography, or is it what? It, what is this? Well, see, the book because it sounds like an autobiography. Yeah, like when I wrote it, I thought a straight up biography. It just didn't feel right, you know. I was like, because what is I'm, that? Your humility, your insecurities. What is this? I felt like it was. I was like, you know, it may have just been too hard to write. You know, to be honest, mm-hmm. it may have been too on the nose for me. It was. I wanted to put together a, a, a good story that represented not only myself but my peers of that time period, with a beginning, middle, and end. And maybe the reason I didn't think of doing it as a biography of my younger years is because, you know, my story's not done yet. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe you know I could do a biography eventually. But for me, it was like just documenting that time period, mm-hmm. and I was in that time period, and I was one of those kids that didn't fit in. So it was, for me, writing this fictional story about this place and time that uh, very few people, you know, uh, very few people on the mainstream really understood from the outside looking in, yet was very large on the inside. You know, it was like one of the last, one of the ways I've, I've explained this book to people is I say it's one of the last true undergrounds, mm-hmm. you know. Because um, the internet gives them, makes them all accessible. Exactly. This is like one of the last. Yeah. This is like one of the last pre-internet underground cultures where, you know, I was in Denver and you know I had a shaved head and you know skinny puppy shirt. If I ended up in Phoenix and I saw another dude who looked like that, I knew what he was about. Mm-hmm. He knew what I was about. We had never met. It's not like we could have communicated online like people do now, um, but we we understood each other and and that was huge. It was like a very large underground, but at the same time. Like, at my junior high and my high school, I was one of about maybe three skater punk kids mm-hmm. in my junior high, and we were tormented. I mean, you know, it was What's it the was worst rough, thing? man. What's the worst thing that happened? Um, I think I got jumped in the, like, the boys' locker room and hit with a metal pipe in my, and then I got hit in the arm, but it hurt like a bitch. And, uh-huh. um, yeah, you don't want to, you, you know, if you're going to pick where you get hit by a metal pipe, it's nowhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's one that stuck out. Uh, I remember the first time, and this is in the book, I wrote, I wrote this in, the first time I put on a pair of combat boots mm-hmm. and went to school, uh, the majority of the football team followed me home. And Doc they, Martens? Or? Uh, these were combat these boots, were combat just boots. like straight yeah. up, you know, army surplus. Uh, and yeah, I mean, these guys were out for my blood just because of that choice. Oh, combat boots. Yeah. And now they're all super pro patriot. Well, bros. and then and then you know, um, most what, of the, most what of the fast forward like three or four years, army, and, and like the alternative thing yeah. happened, and everyone had a pair of Doc Martens. And would you say that was ninety two, ninety three? When like, yeah, like, like ninety two, ninety three, smashing all those guys come out, all that stuff that you know, I love it. It's all great music, and it was a great movement. But I was so angry in that time mm-hmm. period uh, because the the very people who had ridiculed. You know, my friends and I were now going to the same yeah. clubs we were. Yeah, Mother's saying, Milk was your album, but then all of a sudden Blood Sugar Sex Magic the, comes out. You and you're couldn't like, have put it out better. Hey, yeah. brother, you and I are akin. You yeah. Like, I totally understand. Yeah, I mean, that's the yeah. way to put it. Like, yeah. Exactly. Your, your album was, blood, was, yeah. was Mother's Milk, and then Blood Sugar Sex Magic comes that's, out, and everybody's listening to Under the Bridge. And you're exactly. like, what the fuck? The Red Hot Chili Peppers weren't supposed to do this to me. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, you just defined uh, why I had a very I, I, hard I, teenage years. I wrote a... I wrote a uh, 
I wrote a 25th anniversary uh, thing back, I think, back in February mm. for uh, for Kerplunk. Green oh, Day's right. Kerplunk, because yeah. I saw a flyer for Kerplunk, and I was too young to go see Green Day at the back room in Austin. But then Green Day came out with Dookie, and everybody knew Green Day, and I right. was like, oh, my God, it's not, but you don't know about Operation Ivy, and you don't know about, right. yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. so you have those albums, you know what I yeah. mean? But for me, I'm, I'm, I'm only a handful years younger, so for me, it was the pop punk thing. Right, and, that, I mean? and that was like, killed yeah. you, right? I mean, it, I was angry about um, it, you know, yeah, like, I mean, when it hit, like when Green Day hit. All of a sudden, everybody has an epitaph records yeah and, and everybody knows the offspring and yeah you know the, the mr t experience never made it big i still yeah have, i still have them you still have them they're my favorite I know. band of all time <laughs> yeah they are my favorite band of all time that's good i will yeah. always have them <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny right that that some things just catch and go and yeah sometimes often like the best things never do i mean hell the ramones never really caught isn't that crazy yeah they never uh, really caught and you know thank god for them my wife uh She's she's older than you. Uh, my wife uh, in the eighties had pizza with the Ramones. That's the best. <laughs> she, I was, met, she was in some club underage, and was walking to the bathrooms and past the dressing room. Yeah. And the Ramones were like, "Why don't you come in and have pizza with us?" And she had pizza with the Ramones. And, and that story, I'm like, "Oh my god, I yeah, love my wife." You know, she she grew up. I mean, when she was in her early twenties, she was in Seattle during that whole movement. Wow. And so you know, she worked. She like Chris Cornell would come into her store and and. and and everybody in Nirvana, and she knew all those people by name, and it's just insane to be in Seattle that time. I call yeah. her Singles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a nickname. Like, oh, that's yeah. my wife. You're yeah. Bridget Fonda in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she appreciates that. Yeah. But, but what, what do you think that is? Because I think there's a very romantic thing. When I think back back to my, my my older brother Daniel, who's no longer with us, but when I think back to him and and how he would shave the sides of his head and and all he wanted to do was like anything anything like Palos Peralta or anything right. like yeah. like all of those like references Bones, are in Bones the book, Brigade, by the way. Like, like yeah. anything. Like uh, search for animal chin. Like search, that video? Yeah, that, search that for was like chin. our holy holy grail, you know. Like, like and, all the Stacy Peralta stuff. Like those were his gods. And, yeah. And, 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 and all that stuff. There, it's very romantic, and you're in you're right in saying that the internet has diluted that stuff. Yeah. All of a sudden, these large disparate communities aren't so disparate. No. You know, they're all yeah. connected. Yeah. And does that eliminate their credibility? I don't think it eliminates the credibility. It just changes the their dynamic. sincerity. Um, no, I think. You know, because that's the thing is it's like... Because you can find kinship with a click. Exactly, which, which is interesting. You, well, here's the thing, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, when, when the book, you know, the book just came out a few months ago, and, uh, and you know, and I did... One of the things I was asked to do with, uh, when I went back to Denver, where I grew up, when we were uh, launching the book and having kind of a release, as I was asked to go back to my old junior high. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, that's terrifying, but yeah, I'll do mm-hmm. it. I'll talk to, you know, I, I talked to the eighth grade, and... You know, I went in there thinking, well, it's different for these kids now than I, because if, like, via the Internet, no matter how weird you are or what your, you know, what it is that makes you happy, you can get online and find someone else who has that connection, like, no matter what it is, you know. Um, But the one thing that I kind of realized walking out of that school visit is that, yeah, you have the Internet to connect to anyone, anywhere who might be what you're into, but... The internet still has all those people that screwed with me when I was a kid and didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. Now they have the internet to screw with the kids who don't fit in now. In, in, and there's something that you said. Sorry to interrupt. There's oh, something yeah. that you said about if you were in Denver and you went to, to Phoenix and you saw somebody, that's a personal connection. Yeah. That's a person's face. That's a, and the internet still has that distancing aspect of like, yeah, yeah you're still t- only talking about this person to this person with a keyboard. You don't truly know No, them. yeah, you're talking to their facade, and it's your you're, facade yeah. talking to their yeah, facade. You're talking to their it's like two avatars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's not as 
it's not like that underground culture then where where there's just the bonds you know it's like a mm-hmm. it's like bonds and and blood and bruises and you know bo- well, i booze, became straight right? edge in, in high school i became straight edge in that in that diy book your own fucking life remember book your own fucking life from that from uh from that the the, the what's the name of the absolute punk not absolute punk that's a fucking awful website um what was the na- uh maximum rock and roll remember maximum rock and roll the the, the, the zine they put out once a year a book called Book Your Own Fucking Life. Okay. And it was all the band's contact information. It was all the booker's contact information. Oh, okay. It was all the venue's contact information nationwide. Yeah. And so I would just put on punk shows. Oh, that's awesome. And those kids, like, you know, rancid all these bands before they were hopping off. And um, and uh, and that's kind of like like those were my, where your friends came from, at least, you know, they're, yeah. they're in person. I don't know how you could do that right. now in the music scene. I mean, I'm sure there's still kids with their rec centers and stuff like that yeah. who have their friends and they're doing that stuff um in the internet now you have you probably have a book your own fucking life website that's true where yeah. you can just book bands and make connections that way yeah. maybe um, myspace will try to do that <laughs> i mean i think i think music is the is, is the saving facet of myspace like in yeah. MySpace, oh yeah it's I the mean, only thing that's kept it alive keep in mind I, I do think the nail is in their coffin yeah i don't think that in, in this incarnation they can ever come back yeah but Whatever they've got, if they can transition it to something that is a pure voice for the music industry, yeah, that's their salvation. Totally. How do you do it with iTunes existing? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm I mean? glad I, that's not a problem with... I have to solve. No, yeah. no, the record industry is kind of a warning sign for where we are with filmmaking. Totally, you know, I know. Cause, like cause they got hit a few maybe years before mm-hmm. us with that wave. No, they, yeah, they're yeah. absolutely the. Uh, the bird you send down the mine shaft, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you are you, a filmmaker, like 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 Gavin. I, to, to to let you guys know, Gavin writes uh, cartoons sometimes. He he writes the, the modern day Ninja Turtles for Nickelodeon. Yeah, uh, you've been, you've written Ninja Turtles in the past. In two thousand three, you wrote that yeah. incarnation, and then yeah. uh, also Iron Man Armored Adventures. Yeah, for Marvel, you write one and, or uh, you write a handful of episodes a, a season for that. Yeah, uh, that show I think is now finished, but it was so fun you, to work how on. How dare you? Oh, it's the best. It's the <laughs> I best. I never saw it, so I'm part. Of, I'm a culprit. A, a lot of people. <laughs> I'm part of the problem. A lot of people gave it a hard time because it was teenage Tony Stark, and it's like, oh, well, that's not Tony Stark. But you know, the comics had a teenage Tony Stark at one right, point. Right? Yeah, right yeah. before uh, the heroes were born. Yeah, and remember that? It was mid 1996. Yeah, they had a, they had a teenage. Yeah, hero. and you know, I, well, you know, those who see it love it. That's the only mm-hmm. thing is those who don't haven't seen it complain about it. Well, you can't put it in the context of the rest of the, of the stuff. It's got to be. No, you it's, like it's, it for your own. It's for very its own much thing. its own continuity. Yeah. Uh, and. Interestingly enough, the season two finale and kind of what may be the finale of the series, the way it evolved is very Avengers-like. It's very in spirit of the feature film, mm-hmm. but not on purpose. And I think that says a lot just about because they're both such you know great um, stories. And uh, yeah, but Ninja I've, Turtles, you're still working. Yeah, on. Ninja Turtles, I'm on now, and that is uh, so excited about that because once again, the era we're talking about, right? Yeah. You know, maybe I was that guy on a uh, you know I had a black. Uh, Street Hawk, Pal Peralta board, but I guarantee you my T-shirt was Ninja Turtles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, all of those kind of properties from that era are you know very dear to me in films and uh, music. Why is that? I think it. I, I. I'm. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's kids now who feel that way about. I mean, I know I've met kids who felt that way about Pokemon. Who right? You know, about, that was what was there. For maybe them. it's just the way your brain's wired at that age. Mm-hmm. It's just like a sponge. And hopefully there's cool shit coming out at that time, uh, you know. Yeah, hopefully you're not stuck in new metal. I know, right? New metal <laughs> or, or uh, I the one 
I could relate to a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, but like Yu-Gi-Oh was one that I couldn't relate right. to. I was like, it didn't I just feel real. No, it just felt like uh, they're just selling cards. They're just selling yeah. these games. I mean, Pokemon seemed like the thing, but uh, I was just literally I just tweeted this before you came over. Uh, Remember Battle Beasts? Oh, yeah, I love Battle Beasts. Where you would Beast. actually do the heat sensitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I have some, actually. You'd put a thumbprint on, your, yeah. on its chest. Yeah, like fire. Wind, oh, fire, water, and wood. And wood. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah I still it, have some. It was some like rock, paper, ones. scissors. Yeah. My favorite guy was the, was the armadillo because I'm Texan. Oh, yeah, okay. Of course. I think but, I like the spider guy. But Battle Beast was totally Pokemon before Pokemon. Yeah, you're right. That, you was, know, our, that was our Pokemon. I think, <laughs> that was our Vietnam. Yeah, right, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> in the trenches with all the little cute creatures. I think they're relaunching those toys, and they're just—they don't have the same magic. No, they got to look almost like muscle figures. Yeah, like zero articulation except for the arms. Yeah, and just put them out. Those are you great toys, I mean? and it's all about the imagination with those things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, if you have too much articulation, if you spell it too much out, to spell too much out for kids, then yeah, yeah they're not going to make up their own stuff. They're, That's why you know I, I never mean? liked toys that talked or made noises. Mm. I was just like, I do that. <laughs> I'm, tell, I'm doing what they say, you know. I don't. I don't need this big backpack on them that takes four batteries for him to talk. So, yeah. so you're saying that, that, that at this age, that I'm, I'm going to call it the uh, the post puberty. Yeah, kind of the coming my, of age. Want to lose my virginity years? Yeah. What the, what you're doing before you manage to lose virginity? Fifteen to twenty. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Fifteen. I'm, to, I'm, calling, I'm calling that age the hunt. The hunt. Yeah. Some of you are still going at it in mid twenties, early thirties, but it's Geekscape, so we accept you. Yeah, exactly. Um, Some of us. Th th this you. period of the hunt, your 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 minds are sponges, and, and no, you do it's true. fill it with like all, like either pop culture, music, all that stuff. And here's the question: Do you freeze at that age? Do you do you still love this stuff? Yeah. It's like that Chris Rock joke that he says. You still listen to the music you did when you got. When you, that's when you free stop. That's when you stop learning new music. Is yeah. When you lose your virginity, the music. You listen to when you first got laid is the music you're gonna listen to for the rest of your life. That's I think that's the joke. So, yeah, are we frozen in that? Yeah, I think that for a lot of the kind of like the post punk, and, and this is like two different answers. Sure. For like the 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 post punk new wave, like death rock. Later, you'd call it like the goth kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the same goes for like you know like the nerd like the nerdy kids you know who. Um, if you let yourself freeze in that, it's a shame. That's always been an opinion of mine. Because um, okay. I, I have friends who are frozen in, in that time period right. and in their style, in the music they listen to. And, and I, I get tired of hearing, oh, well, things were better when I was, you know. Mm -hmm. That's a really sad stance to have. Yeah, they're like X but not Wax. Yeah. Remember the band X, the mm -hmm. punk band X? So yeah. Then they, then they came out with Wax, and they had that music video, that Spike Jones music video for California with the guy running on fire down the street. Right, yeah. And it was like, well, this is an X. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can understand that. Yeah. I, I really feel like it's... You stop broadening your... your yeah, you broadening I think it's a shame. Because here's the thing. If you were open-minded enough to find that underground music or to find that you know, anime, mm -hmm. um, you know, that wasn't on American TV. If you're open-minded at that point to accept new art, you know, it's a shame if now you don't. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know... You only listen to the cult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if all you listen to I'm is the cult... I'm only listen to the cult. And, and, yeah, and, like, classic here and stuff, that's a shame because I, I think about so many bands, you know... That's actually an interesting point, you know. Uh, I, you know, I write... So for the Freak Table, it's informed yeah. by New Order, it's informed by The Cure, it's informed by Bauhaus, by Depeche Mode, uh, by Social Distortion, by Black Flag, mm -hmm. by, you know, all of this. And it kind of evolves. The, the, the character is into the lighter stuff, and as things get worse, he gets heavier. You know? uh, there's a very distinctive point in the book where he gets into ministry, and like that's his soundtrack. And 
Um, you know, I love that stuff, and I've been writing a lot about it lately, uh, like on the blog for the book. You know, I'm kind of revisiting it. Where's that blog located? Uh, and the blogs, uh, if you just go to thefreaktable.com mm -hmm. uh, and click on read the blog, it's like an anarchy symbol. Uh, and I'm doing this, this feature for the next year called 100 Stories About 100 Songs. And I just pick a song a week, or maybe two, and I, and I write a story connected to that song. Um, and Fictitious or diary almost? These are very autobiographical. Okay. Whereas the book is, you know, say 60% fiction, 40% uh, you know, reality, or 40% or, or, uh, or yeah, vice versa, or vice versa yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, these blog posts I've been doing uh, to kind of celebrate the book are very much, um, this is a song, you know, here's a story connected to it, this is, you know, what I think about it, this is why I think you should listen to it, you know, whatever. Um, but the, um, I've been in that world a lot lately. Mm -hmm. I've kind of gone back into that world, and I'll talk to people, and I think they'll assume that that's where I'm stuck. And, and, and Or that's where they're stuck, and they're kind of happy that I'm giving it back to them. Like, yeah. thank you for writing this, you know, you understand what it was like. Um, and I do, and, and, and I'm very, very appreciative to everyone who, who was there. I mean, mm -hmm. I wrote that book for them. Um, but I love so much music now, and I never want to, you know, when you discover one of those bands or one of those things, especially if it's not mainstream, it's not known, it's so special, and it, and it makes like a soundtrack for you. Um, so I hope I never get out of that phase of discovery, and I, and I make conscious decisions not not to freeze. But I think you know I think there are two types of people that you know um, that do. Um, there's, there's Lieutenant Dan who wants to stay in Vietnam and Forrest Gump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Lieutenant Dan was like, "You should have left me there to die." Yeah. Da, 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 da. Is that a good metaphor? Um, I'm being jocular, but is that a good metaphor? Yeah, I think I, th I think that metaphor actually sounds good. It actually works. Well, I think for me. Uh, at least in regards, in regards to like the kind of the nerd culture or the goth scene, because you know they're not the same, but I think they're both relevant. Um, it's more like you don't want to be that. Um, for us, it'd be like that fifty or sixty year old guy who has the convertible Mustang and you know still talks about how the fifties, you know, mm -hmm. how things were different then. You don't want to be like the sixties guy who's like a hippie. And you know, it has you know gray hair and a VW wagon. You want to age gracefully. You don't yeah, want, you don't like, want to be a freaking relic. Yeah, you don't want to be a relic, and you don't want to. There's no need to date yourself because you can still love all that like retro stuff and enjoy the modern version of it. Whatever. Do you that worry about your own relevance? Um, I think maybe I do because I wrote a book, right? Yeah. You know, I wrote a book to justify or explain to people what we went through. Right. Um, so I would say, yeah, you know, I, I, there wasn't another book like this. There wasn't another freak table on the shelves. There was some stuff coming out that, like uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower is a sure. great book, and that's a book that I had read, and I thought, oh, my God, if this is relevant, what I'm going through is relevant. Um, no one wrote a book about, you know, the first time you wear your combat boots and got beat up or, the you know, learning to, you know, um, mosh, you know, mm -hmm. or going in the pit for the first time or, you know, what it was like, you know, piercing this or <laughs> dying that. Right. Or um, the first time you showed up at school with that piercing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, you know, all that stuff is in the book because there was a, a you know, a, a huge amount of people who went through it um, and it hadn't been documented. So I was just, I was just had this in my head. I have to document this time period before my time period, my time is up on this planet. Um, 
one of the other themes that, that I go to in the book is, uh, is death, because uh, I lost a family member uh, during those formative years. Mm-hmm. And um, I think losing someone at that age really installed in me this need to leave as much evidence behind of my time on this planet uh, before I'm done, you know? So what age were you? I was uh, 15 going on 16. Okay. Yeah, and uh, my dad died, like, right you know, right in front of me. And that marks you, you know, no matter what happens, no matter what you do, that puts a mark on you for the rest of your life. And I think uh, I was lucky. I, you know, I had the right kind of people around me. I, I got through a lot, you know, I, I'm here now, right? Right. And uh, I'm still paying my rent and doing fun stuff. Um, <laughs> but I think it did, and that's one of the things I kind of analyze about myself now is I'm like, well, yeah, maybe part of the reason I'm so freaking obsessed with telling stories and, you know, getting books on shelves or, um, contributing to the popular culture is, uh, you know, I just, you know, people people get forgotten, and I don't want to right. be one of them. You know, it's something I'm just now starting to realize. No, no, no. It, it, it's it's also, and I'm going to psychoanalyze you from a point of similarity, because when I lost my brother, I was 17, and uh, and I went through that same. I still go through it. I mean, yeah. Ge- Geekscape is the thing is one of those things that I've created to you know the films, the stories we tell, the. Con- are those things that we keep as permanent markers? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. like your path. Totally. Like and there's markers on the path, but at the same time, and I'm going to do this. Yes. At the same time, um, I'm going to do this. Uh, so at the, at the same time, while you're creating the, the the permanence, there's stories. Yeah, and there's an escapism to them. And you did not use your name in your own biographical telling of your account. Why protect yourself emotionally? Why distance That's interesting, it? yeah. Um, I, I do the same thing with humor. You, yeah. You, you think about the walls that you're actually yeah. unconsciously building for yourself. Yeah. I'm the funny guy. Why would anybody want to get to know me and the real pain that I've gone through? Because I'm the funny guy. Right. They won't want to. They won't know that it's there. I'm masking it. Right. And here you are with this freak table, yeah. and you won't even admit your own name in the book. I know, it's interesting. Well, and think about that. Yeah. Yeah, when I wrote it... Are you pushing it, people away at the same time that you're bringing people I, into this uh, culture? Yeah, that's probably the uh, story of my life, right? Yeah, keeping them at arm's length but being pissed you're if they go too yourself. far away. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, what is it? I mean, because when you tell stories, you're actually making these connections. Totally. And, and if you experienced healing like I did, yeah. it was creating these connections through storytelling because you fell and you know that connections are what's going to keep you from falling too far. Yeah, you know what it's I mean? Interesting. Yeah, point. When you, I mean, if you don't make connections with loved ones, if you don't make connections, new connections, like, like with the geekscapists, for example, the right. people who who know, you know, I, my, I mean, I've been doing this for like six, seven years. People almost know this is like a Truman Show. Right. If you don't create those connections, you dissipate, you disappear. Yeah. If you fall, you fall alone. Yeah. Here you are doing these connections, right in the damn Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's no, true. And you've got these markers, these things yeah. that. That can keep you from falling too far if you yeah. experience. I think this, that's a really valid point. If you experience this loss yeah. again, yeah. What's well, the thing? Are you still ex- experiencing fear from this loss? Like it'll happen again, so you have to continue to leave markers and connections to keep you from falling again. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah, <laughs> very valid. Escape, Gavin. Yeah, I know. It got <laughs> real serious. Um, I do tell joke jokes now. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun read, that. guys. Enjoy it. <laughs> I think it's important. I had to suffer, so you should too. <laughs> no, I mean, there's uh, funny stuff in the book. No, absolutely. Um, and that's life, right? I mean, that's, that is you, absolutely you life. You know, life has, uh, you know, on any given day, a horrible, horrible thing and a funny thing, and they, they arrive back to back. And I've never liked programming that is 
all horrible, you know, like those, like the like, made for TV, like movies? the made for TV movies where you know there's no levity because it's not life, um, no. and vice versa. You know, I I do like a, a, a my fiction with a little bit of balance of both, and I hope that's reflected in the book. Um, but yet, you know, go and back I'm not to saying your, that your movie does that your that your book will be a movie one day. Your book yeah. doesn't have any sincerity. I'm not saying it doesn't have any severity. No, I'm absolutely. Saying that you, I'm saying yeah. that this is your mirror that you've created for yourself. Yeah. And there's a bit of safety. There's also a little bit of danger in the mirror. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the... Because I've been asked before, like, why doesn't your lead character have a name? You know, I've, I've read the whole book, and I realized you never name who the lead character is. And I never wanted to be vain enough to say it was me, but at the same time, I also I felt like it should be the every every right. person of it because a, a good <clears throat> uh, a good uh, coming of age book, you feel like you're that person, right? You feel like yeah. you're Holden Caulfield, right? And yeah. I, when I wrote this, um, I, I made a very conscious decision that it should be like an every person, you know, like this is because I, I wasn't the only one who went through this stuff, and I just felt weird. But that is an interesting point, you know, that you brought up that probably there was a subconscious element of it that was like, you know, I'm going to like totally strip myself naked for everyone to see all my like fears and, and, and faults and, mm-hmm. you know, most intimate, you know. But you know what? I'm going to put a mask on just, you know, you can see the <laughs> naked body, but the, the face, you know, you don't necessarily know it's my face. You're like That's Batman now. I'm totally. Like I, I absolutely know that I do that with humor. Yeah. I know that I do that with humor and I know that I do that. You know, it, it, it's caused me to become a darkler person, um, and uh, and and there's a danger in doing that because how is that any different than being an avatar online? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's true. How is that any different than being like I'm going to be this person that you met through Facebook or through World of Warcraft? You know what I mean? And there's that danger in losing yourself because, I mean, I I got to a point literally where I forgot the pain. Yeah. Because I was just the funny guy, and the I was funny just, guy. that also caused me to be very disrespectful to people. Right, and people just wanted me for the rude comment and be, hey, let's hang out with Jonathan because he's funny. Right, but when anything came serious, they couldn't come to me for it. Right, you know what I mean. So, I lost, I lost a lot of the sincerity, I lost a lot of the gravity, and, um, and in a way, I think I lost a lot of the connection. Yeah. So it really worked against where I was going. Not yeah. to say that this is. And your do life. you? And did you feel like you hit a point where there was adjustment? <laughs> Where you're like, where I you saw all that, and you're like, okay. I still do, though. My, yeah. my wife still says, Jonathan, you're being an idiot. Yeah, well, that's what she's <laughs> I, there for, yeah. Know, the smart half of this relationship? Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think it's really interesting, Gavin. Guys, the book is called The Freak Table. Thefreaktable.com. Yeah, and it's a uh, website. It's a website. you, you got to read this thing. Yeah, yeah, Amazon. We did, you know, there's a, a print edition out there. Uh, I know this is kind of the age of the e-reader. Um, is there but, any reader? Version? Yeah, but that's the thing I was going to say. Is, you know, it's very important for me to have both. So yeah. if you're a bookshelf kind of person like me, you know, mm-hmm. I still like to have my shelf of books. Uh, it's like Amazon. It's getting into uh, as many independent bookstores as possible. It's on Barnes and Noble. Um, if you're an e-reader person, it's available. It's on all the, you know, it's on Kindle, Nook, Sony. Um, and I think three or four other e-readers that I didn't even know existed until I started getting into this. It sounds like... Um, even though you're you're talking about a sub, like a specific subculture, yeah, in a specific time, that what you're saying is it's very accessible to anyone going through that. And period. and yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I learned about the book after writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, we started a Facebook group to help get the book published, and so the Facebook uh, like fan page for the Freak Table has lived for two over two years. Wow. 
and through it i've met people who were like they used to kick our ass and call us hippies and yeah. no one related to us and i've met people who are like you know like i was talking about earlier oh well i listen to visual k and i listen to j-rock and everyone wants to kick my ass so that's the thing that's interesting is every decade has the freak table it's just a different set of kids sitting what is there. That, the freak table like, like what is the so freak in the table? book and and many people's lives probably even listening to this the it's cafeteria? it's in the cafeteria it's oh, that right. one table where all the misfits end up congregating and they don't even necessarily are all friends but it's the one safe haven and i've talked to many people at many different ages who had their freak table mm-hmm. and that i mean that's what this book is about is those kids like how they come together how they protected themselves, how Geek, they... Geekscape is our freak table. That is, this is, if you're in L.A. and you're, you're, uh, you're struggling... We've got, we've got Derek and, uh, up there in, in Vancouver, British Columbia. We, we've got, uh, yeah. so we got different people around the world who yeah, are at our fantastic. freak table. Yeah, it's, what's the thing is it's virtual now, isn't it? <laughs> we have a virtual freak table. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And, I did and, not start Fortune500.com. Yeah, you started yeah, <laughs> yeah, your own freak table. I did not table. start a sports blog. I started a freak table. Yeah, good job on that. <laughs> you got to talk to guys like me. It's the best. Yeah. But, you know, it's, um, it's very music-centric, this book. Uh, those who know me and those who have kind of, you know, uh, stumbled across the kind of stuff I write know that I'm super into genre fiction, into, you know, sci-fi and horror and uh, fantasy um, but then there's another, and I think you're kind of the same. There's another aspect of my personality that, well, you know, it was like just a little punk rock skater kid, and <laughs> like yeah. somehow they're both in the same package. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but we are dynamic, interesting beings. Well, Gavin more so than uh, myself. I'm working on it. Um, while you guys are checking out the thefreaktable.com, and I'm realizing that I should have vacuumed the carpet in my office. Um, you've also got a pretty cool graphic novel out. Thanks. Um, this is like, did you self-publish this? Yeah, this was my first uh, venture into publishing. I was working at Tokyo Pop, who probably a lot of people know about, mm-hmm. um, and I really wanted to put out my own uh, comic that ended up being a hybrid between manga style and American style, and uh, it was uh, just one of those stories that popped into my head about a gang of greasers. Like Quadrophenia? Uh, it's basically. I, I, well, I just said that because I saw them on a scooter. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> um, like uh, Outsiders. Okay. You know, uh, it was a very influenced by Outsiders, but you and your Outsiders. It's like you know, like you have the Outsiders and you have the Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically, you know, a gang of greasers in the you know, late fifties who are taking on ghouls and yeah, uh, demons, va- vampires and stuff. Yeah, well, it's you know one of the the, the things about our city is it's about the one human gang who's taking on all these, you know, like, remember all the old uh, gang names in, like, the 50s was, like, the demons or the, mm-hmm. or the ghouls or, the, you know, the shredders. And they're actually ghouls. fighting. That was, like, one of the fun twists on so the So the other book. gangs are literally what their namesake Exactly. Like. That's pretty awesome. And the, the humans are called the 133rd, and, you know, they're from the 133rd block, and they're just trying to protect their neighborhood and their people from, you know, these forces of darkness that, you know, come through. And it's called Motor City. Yeah, and Holy that's been out shit. for a while. It's, it's available... Uh, it's available on, at Amazon and on the official website and MotorCityComic.com. Yeah, holy shit! Look at you! Look at you with your little manga Make, book making stuff. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Thanks, man. Why, why don't you? T- I mean, this sounds like with supernatural and the whole vampire ghoul thing going on. Like, why, like, there's got to be a Hollywood pitch to this. Absolutely. You know, um, I'm just trying to get it into the hands of the right people. Uh, right. I've thought about you know because I'm getting you know more into production myself and, and writing and directing film now. 
Uh, I've thought about it as a feature. Um, it may be something I explore in the next you know, awesome. four years. Oh, there's Rob, Roger Ebert. We drew him in there as a little tribute. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah, love, love that guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, Motor City, uh, and then we followed that up after publishing that with The Concrete World, which is a, a cyberpunk webcomic. And, um, you know, that's been going strong for over two years now. That's pretty awesome. It's like Crayon Shin-Chan. How fun is that? Yeah. You know, like, I love Crayon Shin-Chan. Yeah. That stuff is amazing. Yeah, Jetty, who, who drew Motor City, uh, is just raw talent. Just all this talent packed into a one crazy, weird great. girl. And, uh, you know, she was that generation that grew up, you know, on all the Japanese pop culture stuff. This is awesome. Reflected in her art. Yeah. MotorCityComic.com. And where can I get the, uh, the webcomic? Webcomic is at theconcreteworld.com. Now listen, my audience is listening to this. Maybe they're on the subway. Maybe they're in the car. They can't scroll it all down. Is there a one-stop shop oh, yeah. for all your stuff? It's easy. GavinHignite.com. Yeah, that's okay. my name. Gavin Hignite. If you, and uh, yes, I've Googled myself. I admit it. If you, if you uh, hey, just buddy, type in. all Googled ourselves. Yeah, you know, I do it a lot, if you know what I mean. My wife leaves the house for five minutes. I Google myself. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> you put in Gavin Hignite and you'll find my site, and it's like a hub for all these projects. Okay, so you can find out about Motor City, you can find out about the webcomic, and then uh, here we go, the Freak Table. And the table. Freak Table. The Freak Table is a big one, guys. If you guys are looking for things to maybe give people for the holidays, if you're friends with readers, or if you're friends with somebody maybe going through the hunt years, which I call the 15 to 18, 21 yeah. years, um, this might be a good book for them. It uh, absolutely. sounds like something that, that resonate with some people. I would hope so, and I've been told by a lot of people that, you know, oh, you know, I, I, I've got a kid in my class who, who doesn't fit in, and, you know, um, I gave him a copy of the book, and he's really responding to it. And I've heard stuff like that, and I, that wasn't... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I, I don't think... You know, I wrote it for, you know, for my generation, and I didn't anticipate this great um, other aspect of it that I'm seeing now, which is... It, you know, it, it is one person who didn't fit in reaching out to other people who don't fit in. Look and, at uh, you fighting the bully movement. That's right. I, I never thought that I'd, I'd be doing that, and uh, I don't mind doing it at all. That's pretty awesome, Gavin. Yeah, the website's gavinhignite.com. If you guys want to go right to the book, it's thefreaktable.com, and you guys can order it up. Um, that is awesome, dude. Gavin. Thank you for having me, As man. much Thanks as we knew about in. each other beforehand, we know a lot about more about each other. <laughs> There's like uh, a connection here. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. Uh, that's, that's what it's all about, right? That's kind of why I built the site. Yeah. Didn't have any friends, and now... You've got way too many. It's well, now disgusting. the site's just friends with each other. Yeah. I'm just kind of watching. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm still the creepy guy with no friends. <laughs> um, that site, of course, is geekscape.net, where you guys can go hang out. If you are on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, just search for Geekscape. You can find all of our stuff. Um, we've got the big Geekscape party coming up this week. Um, I'm going to have this up uh, either tonight or tomorrow morning, but uh, the the day of Wednesday the 5th, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we're going to be live streaming for the Geekscape 6th anniversary party, which is crazy that we've made it this long, but you know what? I built this brand to be something that we kind of carry on through life, so that'll be fun. Um, we'll be live streaming that, so check the geekscape.net website to see what the, uh, the, the live stream is. We're going to have it there embedded in, in, on the front page. Um, that's Geekscape. I'm Jonathan London. You can follow me on Twitter at Jonathan London. Gavin, you can follow on Twitter at Gavin Hignite. Twitter, <laughs> Gavin Hignite. Yeah. So easy enough. Uh, Google that guy while you're at it. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, Geekscapers. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.